All right, well, as the offering is being received, I want to invite you also to um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 10. Uh, and if you're new with us, my name is Brian, um, along with Jonathan, serve as one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of bringing today uh, the message. And uh, we've been in a series uh, these last several weeks leading us up to Easter entitled Reveal. Uh, where we've been looking to reveal who Jesus is throughout the book of John. And so um, we're going to see, we've set our goal is to uh, be able to understand him more clearly, understand who Jesus is more clearly in the book of John so that we might then in our lives follow him more closely. That when we understand him more clearly through the hearing of his word, we can then follow him functionally more closely when we walk out uh, of this space together. And so that's our aim. And so we're going to jump right into John chapter 10, uh, verse 1. But before we do that, just a couple of uh, things to bring to your attention um, that has gone on in the life of the church. Uh, one, you might be familiar with uh, the names Doug and Bev Harvey. Uh, Doug has served as an elder in our church for many years. He's actually preached here a number of times over the years. And uh, he actually is now a pastor up in Iowa. Uh, but his wife, Bev, uh, she's had a, um, a she, had, she suffered from lymphoma last year. That, that was done, they thought they were done with it, but it's reoccurred now in a very aggressive way. And so um, we're really sad to hear that for their family. And so Wayne has gone up this weekend on, on our behalf uh, to encourage them and also um, to serve uh, their church by preaching this weekend. And so um, I'm sure we could um, pray together for them as well as would appreciate your prayers throughout the week for, for the Harveys. Um, and then also with that, uh, you might have seen uh, our youth pastor, Josh Koskinen and his family running around here this morning. I know many of you have been following their story over the last three and a half years. Uh, they adopted Hervé Braven three and a half years ago, and now this week we're able to come home uh, from Congo with him. And so that's them at the airport, and they've been around this morning. So uh, we can congratulate uh, them. And so for all of that, I would just uh, invite you to pray with me as uh, we pray for, for all these situations and for the hearing of God's word here this morning. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for the way in which you are engaged and involved uh, in, in our lives. And Father, for the way in which you've been faithful to the Harveys uh, their entire lives and in in, through all these journeys, God, we know that uh, amidst these um, changing circumstances, uh, may they lean into you who never changes. And so, uh, God, we ask you to bring your peace, your grace, um, and God, we'd be so bold as to ask for your healing uh, for Bev and uh, to uh, be with Wayne as he uh, right now brings your word uh, to that congregation, encouraging them right now. And also for the Koskinens and, and the Verhickies and, and other families that we uh, that have taken on um, this uh, this really calling of you to uh, look after orphans, God, uh, to that there would be orphans no more, that they are... Um, sons and daughters and moms and dads in these situations. God, I pray that you would be with these transitions for their family, uh, that you would bless them and continue to lead them as you have thus far as well. And so, Father, as we hear your word here this morning, may, uh, again, it may be revealed to us who you are uh, more clearly than we might follow you functionally in our lives more closely. And that happens not in our own strength, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that's, that's why we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so hopefully you found John chapter 10 by now. I mean, I put the page number on the screen and got lots of time and all that stuff. So hopefully you got it. All right, so John chapter 10, uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. And uh, just heads up for the ADD among us, you're going to have to beat it back with a stick because it's, a, I don't know, when you read for a long time, sometimes you start to check out. So I'm going to invite you to stay engaged with this passage. There's a lot of rich stuff that Jesus wants to reveal to us. Um, but as we do that, uh, we're going to play a little game of I Spy. Any I Spy fans? in the room. People, is there even a such thing as an I Spy fan? It's like, you know what the game I Spy is. 
at least. Okay, yes, it's the thing we do to keep our kids from killing each other on long car drives. Um, so you keep them busy that way. So we're going to play a little game of I Spy with my little eye. And I'm going to invite you in this passage to I Spy four main characters that Jesus is trying to reveal about them that he might reveal again what these characters, how they actually play out, not just in the story, but in our lives. So there's four key characters and see if you can catch them as we read this story uh, that Jesus is painting to illustrate what life looks like for us all. All right, John chapter 10, starting in verse one, Jesus says, very truly I tell you Pharisees. And so Pharisees would be the religious leaders of that day. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And so Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, he said it this way in verse 7, he said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved." They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that, you may, or that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock uh, scatters. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received directly from my father. All right. So in this story, Jesus is painting. He is, again, trying to reveal himself more clearly, trying to reveal these characters more clearly so that we can follow him more closely in our actual life story. And so the four characters that Jesus is revealing, and you might have picked up like seven or so, but that's okay. There's only four that we're really going to pay attention to, uh, as I realize I've read this a couple of times. Um, but the main characters in this story are a sheep, a thief, a hired hand, and a shepherd. A sheep, a thief, a hired hand, and a shepherd. And again, we're going to reveal who these characters are so we might reveal in our lives how to follow Jesus better. You see how I keep working in the series title, reveal, reveal with a series like that, how I do that? That's what I do. Um, it's good. So, all right, so we're going to reveal our first character here for us this morning is the character of the sheep. Now, who do the sheep represent? Who are the sheep in this story? Us. That's right. It's you and it's me. We are the sheep in the story. And uh, bad news. This is not a compliment. 
This is not a compliment. Sheep are not known for being, uh, as they say, the brightest crayons in the crayon box. Uh, I mean, you think about all the animals you've seen do various things. I mean, I've seen, you know, dogs do some pretty cool tricks. I've seen dolphins at SeaWorld when I was a kid do some pretty cool tricks. Maybe you've been to a circus where I've seen lions and elephants do tricks. Uh, even fleas have their own circus. But do, you know, but do you know what you will never see in a circus? A sheep. Because they can't do anything. Sheep do not do anything. And so we are, unfortunately, the sheep in this story. We are not the bright animals that are being spoken of. And so let, uh, let me reveal a little bit why uh, we can be like sheep, not the brightest in our own lives. You and me, we're all included in this. And so first of all, uh, if you're taking notes, you might write this down. Uh, sheep, the reason uh, they're not so bright is that, first of all, they're prone to wander. They're prone to wander. Uh, they're prone to wander off. They're looking for maybe some greener grass or, ooh, maybe this is really interesting or maybe I'll like this. And they wander off and they don't realize uh, the danger that lurks if they leave the sheepfold. And so that's why we need things like we read about, like a gate and a fence and brighter animals like border collies that keep sheep from running off or doing everything they're going to do. So sheep tend to wander off. Well, Isaiah 53 in the Bible talks about us in this way. It says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways. And so how often in life is that us? We're, we're kind of wandering and wandering in the course of humanity. Um, you know, what will fulfill us? What will make us happy? What is the meaning and the purpose of our life? And we wander and we wonder, you know, maybe, it's, maybe if it's that relationship with that person, maybe if I get that all worked out, then I will have life figured out. Or maybe it's this opportunity uh, or this, um, maybe it's a temptation, maybe it's something negative, maybe it's a thrill, maybe it's if I just get that, um, that new job, or maybe it's that shiny new toy uh, or something like, or maybe, I, I don't know how many of you, I know there's Android people and iPhone people and all that, but um, I have an iPhone 6 and I saw a commercial the other day for an iPhone 6S, which apparently my phone takes photo and video pretty cool. But on the iPhone 6S, you can take a photo, but when you tap, it turns into a video for a second. So it's kind of like a photo. No, no, because, because a photo and a video isn't good enough. I need a photo. It's like brunch, you know, breakfast and lunch. You put it together. It's very... And so this is our lives. We chase the next shiny object. We wander after the next shiny relationship. We wander off to the next shiny opportunity, wandering and wandering, just as we actually sang in a song a few moments ago, uh, that, that great hymn of the church, Come Thou Fount, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. And so sheep are prone to wander. We are prone to wander. Second thing that sheep are known for uh, is sheep are stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. Uh, in my extensive study of sheep this past week, I learned that, that a sheep, uh, that as it wanders away, that if it, if it comes across um, a couple of rocks where he gets wedged in between, do you know what the sheep does? I'll tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't back up. There's no beep, beep, beep on a sheep. No, the stubborn thing just crams itself all the more into the rock, trying to get through, just stubbornly not, yeah. And so any stubborn people in the room today? Not bad, okay, I, I'm not surprised because the real stubborn people won't actually raise their hands when asked to do so. 
So maybe I'll ask it this way. How many of you know stubborn people in your life? Oh, wow. I saw a couple of husbands get bruised ribs on that one. That was... That was not nice, ladies. Okay, yeah, and so we, how, it's like the saying goes, that when you, that someone gets stuck between a rock and a hard place, rather than back up and reevaluate, how often do we stubbornly just press our way through trying to figure it out, or even when it comes to sin, do we uh, get ourselves in deep, and rather than turn away, as the Bible says, to repent, to turn away from that, do we just cram ourselves in all the more? And so, as sheep, we can be prone to wander, and be very, very stubborn. Third, sheep are filthy. Sheep are filthy, dirty animals. In fact, if you've ever seen a picture like this of a white, fluffy sheep, it's not real. (laughs) That thing has either been power washed or photoshopped because that is not what sheep in the real world look like. This is what a sheep looks like in the real world. That's it. They're dirty and they're gross. And so how that plays out for us is actually one of the biggest roadblocks that I see for so many of us when it comes to, you know, understanding the way our relationship works with Jesus more clearly that we might follow more closely. Actually, one of the biggest roadblocks sometimes isn't actually sin, but actually the mistake that we think that we really don't have sin in our lives, that we see ourselves as pretty good people that really have no need for anything else. In fact, the Bible warns us in 1 John 1.10, it says that those of us who act as if we're without sin are liars. And then the truth and the word of what Jesus did is not in us and we're only deceiving ourselves. Isaiah 64.6 says that when it comes to, okay, so put aside the bad things, what about all the good things that we do in our lives? Well, Isaiah 64.6 says even our best and our righteous acts, when all added up, are still like filthy rags before the Lord. To which you might be thinking, well, that's real encouraging um, to hear. But here's the reality. The standard is in Romans 3.23, and that is we all. We all have sinned. We all have sin in our lives, and thus we all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. The standard that God has is perfection, and none of us can measure up to that. And while initially that is bad news, we'll see here in a moment uh, the good news that accompanies the bad news that we are, in fact, filthy and uh, from our sin. Okay? And so fourth, or third, sheep are filthy, we are filthy from sin. And then fourth, sheep are defenseless. Sheep are defenseless animals. Again, you think about most animals uh, in the animal kingdom, and they all have some type of defense, it would seem, whether they have fangs, or maybe some pointy horns, or if they don't have a weapon of some kind, you know, they can fly away or run off real fast. Even some animals, they can blend in and camouflage, you know, into their background. Uh, even our household pets, you know, dogs have bite, cats have claws that'll scratch your eyeballs out. Um, but sheep, what is a sheep going to do if an enemy attacks? I mean, all a sheep can do is say, back off. (laughs) I decided that joke is like fine wine. It gets better with each service. (laughs) I tell you what, you all have my permission this week to use that amongst your friends. You don't have to give me the credit. Just, you can take it all. Because, okay, where were we? Um, So sheep are defenseless. 
Uh, and the truth is, we too uh, find ourselves uh, defenseless in many situations in life. In fact, Jesus even said it this way in Matthew chapter 9. He says, looking at a group of people, looking at us, looking at his people, he says, they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Because how often are we beat up and banged up, frankly, by the second character in our story? That we as sheep are often beat up and banged up by the second character in Jesus' teaching, and that is the thief. The second character, both in this story and our life story, is the thief. Uh, And the thief, again, verse 1, very truly I tell you, Jesus says, Anyone who does not enter the sheep by the gate, but climbs over, sneaks in some other way, is a thief and a robber. And this thief, verse 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the thief in this story represents none other than Satan himself. 1 Peter 1, 5 uh, excuse me, First Peter 5, 8 says that Satan, uh, this thief, he says it this way, he says, your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for, he, he's hunting down wandering, stubborn and defenseless sheep looking to whom he might devour, First Peter says. And we don't have to look far in our world or even our own personal lives uh, how Satan, the thief, is trying to steal and kill and destroy. And so recognizing that this enemy is real, he's not, a, he's not a cartoon character with horns and a pitchfork, he is very real and present in this world. Where then does our hope as sheep come from? Where can we turn? Where do we go as defenseless sheep in the light of a thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy um, our, literally the life from us that God has intended? Well, we do see a possibility in our third character. Our third character in the story is the hired hand. The hired hand who has been hired to help us. Um, We could place our faith in him. We could place our trust in the hired hand. But verse 12 warns us, the hired hand is not the shepherd. And he does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock scatters. The man runs away because... He is a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. I remember one time in middle school uh, putting my trust in what I thought was a true friend at the time. Uh, One Friday night uh, in middle school, um, this particular area where I lived in South Carolina was more suburban than what you might think out of the sticks of South Carolina. And so in this area, uh, fireworks were not legal. And um, the problem is, is that fireworks not being legal tends not to stop uh, seventh grade boys from having Roman candle wars and bottle rocket uh, situations. And so uh, me and my friend Josh, who actually he's the friend that led me to Christ, we were shooting off fireworks in front of his house uh, when he, uh, by the same time he lit one of these, um, I don't even know, it's like this, like, it looks like a big firecracker M80 type thing, but when it lights, it like spins and lights and glows and smokes and kind of buzzes. And I see some, I think that's the official word on the label, the spinny, glowing, buzzing, smoking thing. And so he lights this thing, but at the same time, up over the hill comes some flashing blue lights. So what does Josh do? He chucks the thing. I don't, chuck, because that's what we said in South Carolina. You guys say chuck it, you know, just chucks the thing. And it goes under his parents' conversion van. So as this officer is pulling up, he encounters 
two punk teenagers lighting fireworks and apparently have just lit the van on fire. <laughs> and so what does my good, trusted friend Josh do in that moment? Yeah, and I'm, I rebuke him in the name of verse 13. He <laughs> runs away because apparently he is a hired hand that cares nothing for me. And so my friend runs away in front of his own house. Who runs in front of their own house? That just seemed ridiculous. Anyway, um, but I did not run because I'll tell you what, I've seen the show Cops. <laughs> I know what happens when bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do when they come for you? I know what they're gonna do. They will tackle seventh grade boys and they will put handcuffs on my wrists. And so I did not run. And so maybe for you, Maybe you have put your trust in something that you thought you could bank on, but when trouble comes, when push comes to shove, that has let you down. You realize you've put your trust in the wrong areas, the wrong things, the wrong people. You have put your trust in what ultimately are hired hands that in the end don't care for you. And so maybe for you, and you're, again, wandering and wondering, what is, where are you going to find meaning and purpose in your life? You've put maybe all of your eggs into the career basket. And you put all your eggs there and maybe you've even reached the relative top of, of what you can do in your field. And while don't misunderstand, God has certainly given us gifts and talents and abilities to use vocationally um, in this world. If we put everything we have and all our hope and trust in that, we will discover that even at the top, that it does not fully satisfy. Or maybe for you, it's uh, your physical appearance. That everything you do revolves and is wrapped up in that. Uh, or maybe for others, it's uh, a relationship of yours that um, maybe it's a relationship you'd like to have, a relationship you do have, and it's like if that's going well, then you're doing well. And somehow that, that relationship, that dependency defines you. Or maybe for you, it's just, maybe it's your whole family, maybe uh, even your kids. And again, not bad things, but maybe for you, if, you know, if, if my kids are good and my, you know, my spouse is good, then, then I'm good. And it defines you. Now, this is very important because what I'm, you're, I'm saying, you're, you know, these aren't necessarily bad things. In fact, all of these things mentioned can be good things, blessings from God. But here's the catch. When we take the good things of God, the blessings of God, and we turn them into ultimate things, well, the Bible calls that idolatry. An idol is when we place all of our hope and trust and everything we are into something other than God, the only one who deserves that spot. And the Bible says that that hired hand, he is not the shepherd because he doesn't own the sheep. And when the wolf comes, when push comes to shove and Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and all your trust is in something other than God, that idol, it will let you down. It will fail you because it is a hired hand that will abandon you. It runs away because it ultimately doesn't care holistically for you as the sheep. So again, just to reiterate, career, influence, affluence, relationships, family, all these things, not bad things. But if you make these otherwise good things or blessings your ultimate thing, well, then you are like the sheep that you will be scattered. You will be undone when push comes to shove. Because the way God designed it is that nothing of this world, even the blessings of God, were intended to take the place of God. Only God should own that spot, which brings us to our fourth and final character. That when we look, okay, fine, where can we put our hope and our trust in our lives? We don't want to put it in hired hands, but our fourth and final character is who Jesus speaks to in himself. And so look again 
for our fourth character, verse 14, Jesus says, I am. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, and this is how he relates to us as sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. And my sheep, they know me. Verse 15, it says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And see, and that's what Pastor Jonathan led us through in communion. We remember that Jesus, as the good shepherd, came and actually, he didn't, he didn't run from our troubles. He doesn't even run from our sin, but instead he enters into our trouble. He runs toward the cross in the face of our sin that we might be forgiven of our sin, that even though we are like filthy sheep, filthy from our sin, that's the bad news. The good news is he forgives our filth. He lays down his life. Uh, and it's not just a power washing or a photoshopping. Uh, it says in Psalm 51, 7 that he makes us. He creates within us. He makes us new. He makes us literally whiter than snow. And so that's what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd comes while the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The good shepherd comes in the face of that and says, no, I have come to rescue you from that, rescue you from the thief, that you may have life and life to the full. And so for a glimpse of what that life looks like, as a sheep under the fold of the good shepherd, I want to invite you to turn to one more passage, Psalm uh, 23. It's on page 792 in the Pew Bibles if you're using one of those. Uh, and this psalm, uh, this chapter in the Bible, is arguably the most famous chapter in all the Bible. In fact, if you've been to a funeral, you can hardly walk in or out of a funeral without hearing this passage because of the great power of its encouragement and affirmation of what it looks like when you are a sheep under the good shepherd. And so this particular psalm was written by uh, David, who, um, if you're familiar, before he killed Goliath and became king of Israel, he actually vocationally was a shepherd. And so David writes this. Uh, he says in verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I lack nothing. If you're familiar with that, you might have heard it otherwise say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Another translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore uh, there is nothing wanting within me. This is actually my favorite verse in all of the Bible because what it reminds me of is that amidst all the struggles, the, you know, the, the, just the bummer stuff, the bad stuff, the sin, anything that's bad or negative, and it reminds me even in the face of the good things, you know, the, the hired hands, the idols, that all of it pales in comparison to having the good shepherd watch over my life. When I have the good shepherd, I realize I need nothing, that the bad stuff can't get a hold of me and the good stuff doesn't even measure up compared to having the good shepherd watching over my life. It's everything. And so under that umbrella, David goes on. He says in verse two, this is what that life looks like. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, how often have you seen a sheep lying down? You're sitting there thinking like, I'm not really sure I've seen a whole lot of sheep doing a whole lot of anything. Good point. Um, if you had seen sheep, you won't see sheep doing a whole lot of lying down because the only way a skittish sheep will be comfortable enough to lie down is two things have to be true. One, they have to be well provided for, well fed, well taken care of. And secondly, they have to know they are safe and secure. And that's what our shepherd says, that in my presence you are taken care of and you are going to be safe and secure, that even amidst the bad stuff and measured up to the good stuff, I am the good shepherd that will care for you. And therefore will be nothing else wanting within you when I am your good shepherd. 
He goes on that he says, he, he leads me beside quiet waters versus you know, rushing rough waters that could sweep uh, a little sheep away and drown it. Uh, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Rather than leave us wondering and wandering as we're prone to do, it says that he guides our life. Verse four, it says that even when we walk through the darkest valley, as we were talking about here earlier, when the good shepherd watches over us, we will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so God's rod and staff, they comfort us. He guides us. He even corrects us with this, all giving us this life and life to the full. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows and surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Or as Jesus said, you will have life and life to the full. That's our good shepherd when we are sheep under his care. And so for us, as we kind of zoom out looking again at these four characters, we have the sheep, which represent us. We have the hired hand, which represents, um, you know, things we place our trust in, idols that aren't God. Then we have the good shepherd, uh, who is who we want to place our trust in. And then, of course, there's this, you know, the thief, Satan, who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. How do we, with all these characters clamoring around in our head and our hearts, how do we keep straight the voice and the way of the good shepherd? Well, to get very, very, very practical here, Jesus helps us in this in verse 3 as we kind of wrap all this up to an understanding. Jesus says, look again at verse 3 in our, in our passage in John 10. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is, the, this is the practical landing that Jesus wants to give us, that in order to follow him more closely and know him more clearly, we have to clearly be able to hear his voice. That's what Jesus encourages us. Now, in fairness, what is, uh, how do we do that? How do we hear the voice of the good shepherd? Is it, is it an audible voice that we should expect God to speak to us in? Sometimes I've heard of that. Uh, is it a feeling? I mean, how do we know the, the voice of the shepherd? Well, to illustrate this, um, for me, a few weeks ago, I was uh, wandering around the building on a Thursday morning. And what happens here every other Thursday uh, is a program called MOPS. Uh, and if you're not familiar with what MOPS is, it's a ministry. It's, uh, MOPS is an acronym. It's uh, Mothers of Preschoolers. And so MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers, gather every other Thursday. Um, they actually meet in the East Auditorium around tables uh, without their preschool kids uh, to be able to get some teaching and encouragement and do like small group together. And so my wife, Jessica, is a part of that group. And so on Thursdays, I'll try to, you know, be a good hubby and, you know, wander over there and find her, give her a little kiss on the forehead, get a little brownie points, you know how all that works. And so I was going over there to visit my wife, who uh, that particular day was wearing a black winter vest and her long blonde hair, because that's her hair. That's what she wears every day. And so... <laughs> As I go up to say hello to my wife, I naturally walk up to the woman with the black winter vest and the long blonde hair. You already know where this is going. And so I place my hand on her back and lean over to discover that some other mop 
was wearing the proverbial same prom dress as my wife, Jessica, which I jump back, thankfully before the, the head kiss thing, I jump back and I say, you're not my wife. <laughs> to which she already knew this, but apparently I needed to remind myself and everyone around me that this was in fact the case. And so I gather up my embarrassment and my uh, humiliation, and I understand that there was another group of mops uh, upstairs in another room doing their mops things. And so I go up to the mops room upstairs, and I come into another room full of women that are doing what they, they're talking. You know, mops like to talk when their preschool kids aren't around. So they're talking and they're talking. And I, I sometimes wonder what it would look like to have a DOPS group. Like, there wouldn't be a whole lot of talking. I mean, if dads, honestly, if you got rid of your preschoolers for an hour, it'd be pretty quiet because could finally watch the game, you know? Okay, so I walk in, and so all these mops, are, they're talking, they're talking, and I hear my wife's voice in the woman with the, the black uh, winter vest and the long blonde hair. And I walk up this time much more confidently and much more comfortable uh, to greet my wife because even amidst all those women's voices, I knew the voice of my wife. I know what her voice, I know the timbre of her voice. I know kind of the way in which she talks. I know the way she laughs. As her husband, I know my wife's voice. Now, were I to give you that same assignment, to go into a group and to pick out my wife's voice among many ladies talking, you might have more difficulty doing that. Uh, and that would be for one of two reasons. Either one, um, you don't know my wife at all. I mean, you just haven't had a chance to meet her. You didn't know her hair was blonde or that she wore a black vest or let alone her voice. You just don't know her at all. Or maybe you do know her, but you just haven't spent enough time with her to be really able to single out her voice amidst the many voices. Jesus says that my sheep know my voice. And I would say here today that if you feel like you struggle to hear the voice of God, it's like, I know I want God's will for my life. I know I want to hear the voice of God. I know I want to follow him, but I really feel like I struggle to discern his voice amidst the many. Then I would say that one of two things is true for you today. Either one, you know his voice, but you don't spend enough time with him in order to discern his voice amidst the idols or the temptations or the other voices in our lives. And so I would ask, if you feel like you're having trouble hearing the voice of God and following the voice of God, I would ask, are you spending enough time with him to know his voice? And how do you do that? Well, first off, we have the foremost place, his word. That God gives us his word, his voice to us, that is accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to hear his voice. And so are you spending enough time in his word to be able to discern and know what his voice is, very clearly what his will is for your life? And then from there, through prayer, that God can speak to us through prayer, that we can learn his voice more there. And then on that foundation of his word and prayer, God does speak through circumstances. He can speak through other people, that God can continue to speak into our lives and that we as his sheep, because we've spent time with him, might know his voice. And so for you, the practical application might be for if you feel like you're having trouble following and hearing the voice of God, I would ask, are you spending enough time getting to know his voice? And so that's one reason that you might have trouble hearing the voice of God. And then the second reason would be maybe you don't know him at all. Maybe you don't know the shepherd at all. And so let me remind you what his word says. He says, not only am I the good shepherd, but he says in verse 7 that I'm actually the gate. 
I am actually the way to the good shepherd. I am the way to life and life to the full. And he encourages you. If you don't know him, he knows you. In fact, he says this. He says, I know you by name. And I want to lead you out. I want to free you from a life where the thief is coming in to steal, kill, and destroy. I want to free you of these idols and these things that will not satisfy and give you what I am. That is life and life to the full because I am the good shepherd. And so maybe for you today, Jesus is telling you in verse 16 that I have other sheep that are not yet in this pen. You might be, you know, I've, Leslie Kent, Wayne's wife loves to say, you know, being in a barn doesn't make you a horse any more than sitting in church necessarily makes you a follower of Jesus Christ. And so maybe you sit here week after week after week, but you have not received the good shepherd. You have not received that first calling to say, yes, okay, yes, I have doubts, I'm struggling, I'm trying to figure it all out, but you haven't stepped into a place of trusting the good shepherd with those doubts, those challenges, and those unanswered questions. You stay on the outside. I would encourage you, the Lord Jesus Christ calls you by name. And he says, for those of you who are not yet part of this pen, this message is for you. I must bring you also, you too will listen to my voice and that you too will be part of this one flock under one shepherd. I love the way Matt put it. He was referencing earlier, he talks about how Jesus says in another story that uh, in Luke 15, that Jesus leaves, is willing as the good shepherd, actually leave the 99 who are already in the flock to chase after the one. And I would say that's the reality of this room here today. That yeah, probably 99% of us are here as we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we have submitted our lives as sheep under his uh, lordship as a good shepherd. But I would bet there's at least one among us who has not. And so today can be the day. Today can be the day where you receive him as a good shepherd who leads your life both in this life and for all of eternity. So with that, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand and I want to pray for us in this. Uh, but also, uh, again, if you fit into any of these sheep categories, maybe today for you, you know you have been stubbornly pressing in to the wrong direction. You need to turn away. You need to um, trust the good shepherd to free you from that sin or maybe that idol that you've put your trust in, that hired hand that will not fulfill. Uh, or maybe today you just, you're just beat up and you're banged up by... Um, by the evil one, and you feel helpless and harassed like a sheep without a shepherd, you do have that good shepherd, and he is here. And then, again, thirdly, if you have not received the good shepherd as your Lord and Savior, if you've not made that initial, if you are that one sheep that has not yet said, I want to be a part of his fold and trust him from there, then today can be that day. And so if any of those situations are you, there's going to be some ministry leaders here at the front of the room who would be honored to pray with you about any of those matters um, here today to, again, as his sheep, trust in the good shepherd. So I'm going to pray for us and I'll invite you to pray very specifically here up front uh, with any of us about these things. Let's pray. Father, the burden of your heart, the burden of my heart as I prepared this message has been for those who do not know the life and life to the full that you have for them as their good shepherd. So, Father, I pray for that one sheep here today. Um, maybe there's two, maybe there's three, God, that have not received you as their good shepherd. And while they don't have all the answers, God, I pray that they would come forward today, at least starting to ask the questions with someone else, and we will pray and we will talk to you about this. Father, for all the other needs, those who are, are beat up and banged up, who feel helpless and harassed, God, I pray healing for their situations. 
And God, for those of us who have put our trust in the wrong things, God, would you free us from that, from those hired hands, those idols, and find life and life to the full in you alone. So whether we come forward or pray at our own spots, God, may we all grow in understanding your voice more clearly as a result of your word today, that we might follow you more closely in all these ways as our good shepherd and we as your sheep. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.